Welcome to the Startups and Downs podcast, where we discuss the highs and lows of running a business with a creative mind. Hi, Mel, and uh, welcome to Startups and Downs podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I've been really excited about doing this. Um, Ever since we thought about doing interviews, I thought Mel's the gal I want to interview. And um, just as a bit of background for all y'all, I met Mel in around 2012 uh, when she she was having an exhibition at Lismore Gallery of Mel's photography and her mum was manning it and we got chatting because I was interested in fashion, both living in a small town and it was pretty exciting to see someone pursuing something in that realm. So, yeah, we connected from there. I kind of reached out to her. I think I had a bit of a blog at the time or maybe I started a blog after meeting. No, I can't remember, but she definitely had a blog and, yeah, we clicked from there. And fast forward to today, everybody probably knows Mel most from her work with Belle and the Gypsy Collective, but before she started there, she also worked for a startup marketing firm called Cake Marketing. And before that, she was, or after that, rather, she was working at a shopping center where also kind of crossed paths with Mel, uh, helping her in the styling world and watching her at work there. She's done a bit of everything. She's even, oh, we also crossed paths when she was working for The Echo, which is a local paper in Lismore, where she took a photo of me in an outfit and posted it for a little column she did about street style. So that was cool. <laughs> you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it just seemed like destiny that we would keep crossing paths. And, and here we are again today. So welcome, Mel. Thank you. No worries. So I think we'll start off by maybe you could tell us a bit about your role as PR and marketing manager at Spell and the Gypsy Collective. I've actually had to redefine that term a little bit just recently because we will actually be having somebody who is a PR manager. So I'll actually be a different role altogether. But I guess in the sense of my position in the company, when we say PR, so PR stands for public relations. In a traditional sense, public relations is the people or, or persons that represent a brand by relating them to the public, I guess. So communications with media, yep. it's now communications with influencer, like influencers. So I guess brand relationship. From my perspective, I am probably more of like a brand relationships manager, more so than a PR manager, but it's only been something that we've defined or that I've recognized recently once I compare myself to what our PR firms do. So our PR firms do sample management and they send out press releases. They help us with guest lists for events or just the the major events we do, not necessarily like local ones we do. Yeah, they're pitching stories out. They are managing any interviews that we get with press. When we talk about me doing PR, it's probably that direct relationship to influencers or brand ambassadors. Um, and then the marketing side of it is everything to do with marketing. I now have a team, which it was just me in the beginning. So I manage that team. So I manage our events manager, our marketing coordinator, a social media assistant, um, a couple of casual content creators. So it's basically everything to do with the marketing, but not the digital side of Spells Marketing because we actually have a digital strategy manager who handles all the online store emails that go out and all of those kind of things, which I think a lot of other brands probably have like one marketing manager that would sit a- across all of that, but ours is sort of split, which is unusual, but it works. 
Yeah, and I think that's kind of the cool thing about working with a small business like you are. You sort of get to define your own role a bit and you go where the need is because, you know, when you started there, I guess the, the business has grown a lot since you started. How long have you been there? I've been there for four and a half years oh, and wow. when I started I was probably like the 20, I think I was like 25th, 27th, something like that employee and now we're almost hitting 70. 70, wow. Almost. Mm. So it was smaller and obviously I was the first person in marketing alongside the person that was doing digital um, but she only started like two weeks before me and now it's, yeah, it's significantly bigger and growing that little team (laughs) that's awesome so knowing you Mel and preparing for this interview one of the things that I really that struck stuck out to me rather about you is I think of you as probably one of the most fearless people I know and you always have been I think from putting on an exhibition at a gallery of fashion photography (laughs) pretty unheard of in the town we're living in and pretty ballsy considering you know, you didn't have a traditional background in that. It was something that you were pursuing as a passion and you, you The know. photography was shit. Like, <laughs> it wasn't. But yeah. When I look back on it, I was looking back on like the Facebook albums. I'm like, I can't believe I was putting this out on the internet. It's terrible. The filters, Anyways. the filters back in the day. Do you ever think like. Just even the photography. Even the photography. Anyway, it didn't matter because I didn't really give a shit about the photography that was not why I was doing it so it wasn't about like trying to compose a good photo it was about like making a good image of a girl that looked awesome of them and then the outfit that was it but yes continue yes I was you're such a a self-starter and I think that's a lesson that everyone can learn about just having a go like you could have sat back and said I'm living in a small town there's no opportunities for me. I'm just not going to pursue my passions. But you really put yourself out there. Can you kind of tell people uh, a bit about some of the things, opportunities that you just created for yourself because of possibly just following your flow or I don't know why you just did it? <laughs> <laughs> it's called <laughs> um, self-delusion. No. <laughs> it does take a bit of that though, you know, yeah. just not knowing. That's a hard question. I'm just trying to think back at like what I would have been thinking at that time. I think probably number one, I just wanted a creative outlet. The gallery, for example, like that was something that was just, it just kind of fell into my lap because I was working for Cake Marketing, as you mentioned, and Katie O'Rourke was my boss. She um, was the city centre manager for Lismore at the time. And I think I was redoing my website and she was like, you need to have a launch party. Like you need to have a launch party when you redo your website. So it was her kind of like cheerleadering me. And I was like, okay, I'll do a launch party and we were going to do something. And then she worked with Stephen who was doing all of the pop-up shops in Lismore and there was that pop-up gallery and the person who was going to be doing it like broke a bone or something so they were unable to do it anymore. So he needed to fill the space and had mentioned it to Katie and she was like, I know just the thing. And so because we were planning on having this launch party and that was the same kind of timing she was like you should do an exhibition so for some reason we exhibited my photos from like a year of taking pictures of random non-models amateur models around Lismore as an exhibition and it was on the day it was like flooding do you remember oh no were you there the night no you weren't able to come come the night actually happened yeah so the launch was like open to the public 
and it was flooding, but it was still packed and awesome. But I mean, why I started the actual blog and doing that all together was kind of more about me wanting to exhibit myself as a stylist because mm. I was working at the Echo at the time. So once again, it, even getting that job was a bit of putting myself out there because I'd been traveling overseas only for like five weeks and I saw this street fashion exhibition. It was like a gallery of people's street style and I was like so inspired at the time. It was around the time where blogging hadn't really begun yet, but there were like a lot of street style things coming up, like the Sartorialist yes. and that kind of thing inspired me so much because I've always been so into fashion and people wearing things differently. So I saw this exhibition and when I got back, I pitched to the Northern Rooms Echo here to do a fashion page. I don't know, I just cold, that's just, that's just cold emailed them. You, I, was just like, oh, I remember, like, oh, I remember when I was starting out like doing my label and you were always a really big cheerleader for me and I was um, being really kind of cautious about things. I remember this always stuck to me and I think about it all the time when I have to do something that uncomfortable. You said to me, no, like, just ask. No one's ever said no to me. I remember you saying that, like, just off cuff, just no one's ever said no to me. Like, asking for product or we were probably talking about or something or asking a model. Because I'm like, oh, but how do you do it? And you're like, just ask. <laughs> yeah. What's come from you doing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, most of the models, I think I had one no. And I was like, she'll live to regret it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you down, lady. <laughs> but they didn't give me that job straight away. That's not how I got the job at the Echo. I pitched it to them. And the editor read the email and she must have just liked the way I wrote the email and was like, you are one of the only people who's like basically technically applied for a job here without a mistake in your email, which is weird because like, yes, I can spell and I'm good at all of that, but I'm not that good at attention to detail. Um, so she just met up with me and then they ended up offering me a job writing the advertorials there. So I didn't even do that job. The fashion page actually didn't happen for like a good year. Mm. after that so I was just writing for them but I guess it was like doing something to do with my degree because otherwise I was working in retail at Sports Girl which um once again was definitely fulfilling that fashion and creative side for me but I wanted to do other things and writing and all of that so that was sort of where it started um for me taking photos I took the camera that they had there because you had to like shoot the photo as well as write the story at the Echo. We didn't have like a dedicated photographer because back then it was independent newspaper. It's not anymore. Um, and I took the camera home one weekend and grabbed a gal who worked in one of the retail stores that I knew that I thought was hot and dressed her up because I just wanted to like showcase all of these like vintage things that I've been buying. And yeah, the reaction from that wasn't really about the styling, but more about like, the model and the photos so then it kind of just kept happening every weekend from there yeah I remember having um chats with you at the time or and after that as well that people kept so it seemed they were really interested in hiring you as a photographer it and, took and, a while to get hired I mean I was doing well, so yeah. much <laughs> shit for free before that exactly. yeah. <laughs> I can't talk I used you for free several times it was <laughs> <laughs> I just had so much fun doing it like it wasn't really about anything. And when people were like, what were you working towards? I mean, there wasn't really much, like there was a little thing in the back of my mind because I guess I knew, right? So in my head, I had to move to Sydney for the jobs, like that were in fashion. 
and I didn't know what exactly in fashion I wanted to do work for a brand work for a magazine like at the time it was probably like be part of Frankie magazine or something like that but I didn't really know exactly I just thought I just need to have some stuff like background in it and then having a blog like let me go to fashion week and stuff like that so it's kind of like I don't know I don't know what it is if it's just random confidence or just trying because I just needed to fulfill that that part of me and that's why I guess like working at the square I was always trying which is the shopping center I was the marketing manager of I was always trying to gear that role into this world that it wasn't Mm. um I actually got a memory up you know how Facebook shows you memories yes and it um I think it's from seven years ago um do you remember when we got the yarn bombing yeah, the more cool. yarn bombing girls to like yarn bomb the center yeah well it, it ended up getting an article in an international magazine like a canadian shopping center magazine about oh, that wow. but it was bizarre because the company that i worked for who were amazing and they're a great company who um family run you know shopping centers they're not like some big monster kind of shopping center people but they you know, probably didn't really get that activation yeah. so much. Like it's very Lismore and it's very like not shopping centre to go and yarn bomb something. It's usually something that would happen on the street. But anyway, got in this magazine. It's the only time that any of our shopping centres have been in this magazine and probably not many Australian mag- um, shopping centres got in this. So that came up today and I was like, yeah, like I remember like at the time being like, I'm going to get in one of those magazines and, and do something interesting and really wanted to make that shopping centre, I guess, fit in with the eclecticness of our town but at the end of the day it could not fulfill this other need of me which was mm. that more fashion creativeness because I guess the stores there were quite mainstream and quite you know big chain stores so it was never going to be what I wanted it to be and probably a lot of what you had to do was managing people probably oh, yeah. creating stuff which I guess is good because I learned a lot like more and more like in my role now I guess it's it's people management and that's still what I do relationships and that's probably what I'm number one at opposed to anything else creative like that talking to people and managing people and building relationships is at the top so you know you got to deal with 80 managers and business owners then that's you know pretty tough as you would know from your background um, working for the council as well so yeah, it's it's interesting <laughs> how it all leads into one thing. A, a good internship in, yeah, relationship management. And I guess it's a good story to tell because it kind of um, shows some of our listeners that you don't have to know all the answers. I think as young people, sometimes we kind of think, oh, I'm passionate about this, therefore I must decide this is the type of career. Or people might see what you're doing and say, I want to do what that girl's doing. But it seems like you've kind of just followed your instincts maybe a bit or and, and worked really hard at whatever you did and, and found the opportunities within that and just kind of, and your way with people, I think, connecting with people and um, putting yourself out there and maybe not always knowing where it's going to go, but just, yeah, following that instinct of this might, this feels good, I want to be creative or I want to be in fashion and just seeing where it takes you. Yeah, I think I've noticed with like some of the younger people that I've worked with or even people asking me questions, they're kind of treating the the, the job that they have now as like a stepping stone 
or if it's not a stepping stone, then it's not like important enough. But I mean, I worked my ass off when I worked at Sports Girl. I yeah. worked my ass off when I worked at the Square. I worked my ass off in every job when I've worked in a takeaway shop or whatever it is, Donut King. Like I always try to give it my all regardless of it not being my end my end goal because you just don't know what that end goal is. Um, and that could be like also a bad thing, I guess, never like trying to plan too far ahead. Like I didn't have an exact goal in my mind. Like I said, it was never like... I'm going to go work for a brand and become the mark. No, that was not it at all. I didn't know what, what it was. I knew it was fashion and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you've got that hard work um, ethic. And also I think the way that you talk about your different jobs is similar to how you treat people as well. You see the value in everyone and um, you're not the type of person who is only going to talk to people that, you know, they think can make a connection. You're not like a networking for the sake of networking. Like the fact that you're here doing this interview with me, you know, which possibly has no obvious value to you. Oh, <laughs> like, <stop it. laughs> but you know, I like talking to you and I like talking about myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you've always been a person who's treated everybody along the way really well and you see opportunity in other people and you bring people along with you for the ride and I think that's um, a lesson that everyone can learn from that you know um, there's so much opportunity and resources around you and it just pays to be um, try your best at whatever you do for sure and nowadays too for people who are younger it's like you've got this I mean maybe it's more competitive but the connections at your fingertips in terms of like social media and being able to go down a rabbit hole of what you want to do is easier in a way with social but then maybe it's harder because it might feel overwhelming that there's like too much competition. Yeah, absolutely. And it's as much as it is easy for someone to just DM someone and be like, Hey, awesome, whatever it's, yeah, there's, yeah, it's almost like, yeah, there's more opportunity, but then there's more ways people could overthink things or tough growing up nowadays, I imagine, but it wasn't all <laughs> that easy, I suppose, in your or my time as well. Like we just, you know, you, internet was new and that was exciting but you did still have to have a bit of nows to kind of put yourself out there and start doing your blogs and writing and lead to where you were so maybe like what everyone's probably wondering is how did you get to the spell job you're in now did I know a little bit about how that happened but for the people listening would you say that was a traditional sort of interaction that led to that or how did that come about I would not say it was a traditional interaction. So it flows on from what I was already doing. So basically um, when I was the marketing manager at the shopping centre, I was pretty much every weekend doing photo shoots. Once again, without any direction as to why I'd be <laughs> shooting people. So I would walk up to people in a nightclub and be like, hey, do you want to like, do a photo shoot next weekend? And they'll go, yeah, okay. Because, like, I guess at the time, people weren't, like, making content. It was, like, not really a thing. But I just was, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to do it. It's just so weird. So I had kept doing that. And then um, a woman called Kira Pendergast, who's awesome and Monique also knows, wrote to me and said, oh, hey, do you want to meet up and talk about 
your blog and also some stuff with the square because they ran this website called common ground byron bay which was somewhat of a like a byron news article more than news but like um a byron media site i guess you would say so we met up and then at the time she offered for me to come to splendor that's right no it wasn't splendor it was a festival shoot or something for them no it was for blues fest So I think that maybe the year before that I wrote articles for Splendor. I'm just trying to remember. I don't know which festival came first. First time I think it was Splendor or Falls. Falls. I wrote, um, it was the very first Falls Festival and she got me a ticket. Yeah, she got me a ticket to Falls Festival and I wrote some reviews on bands because I had been doing that kind of writing when I was at the Echo. I did music-based writing as well. So I reviewed some bands and then the next festival was Blues Fest. And at Blues Fest, I took the camera and I shot the punters on the ground, the punters of yeah. the audience. So I just picked up people who I thought would suit their audience, which was kind of like eclectic people, all different ages, a few fashion types, but mainly mainly the people who were um, like, I guess, had that Byron look, what yeah, you would yeah. call the Byron look at the time. It's probably more a nimble look now. <laughs> um, <laughs> True. <laughs> anyway... Kira had worked with Johnny Abeg, who is my current boss, Lizzie's husband or now husband. He saw the pictures and showed Lizzie and then Spell actually reposted a few of the shots because I think I might have shot a few people in Spell. Um, And I'd already borrowed a couple of outfits from Spell in between that and they'd blogged um, some content that I'd done of an influencer who visited their store. So, yeah, basically that happened. And then when the next festival rolled around, they asked me, do I want to capture their festival style? Like, as in pick up the people who wore spell and shoot them. And, of course, I was like, yes. I asked them for a top to do it, which I still have, and I love this top so much um, because I'd actually tried to get my mum to copy it out of tablecloth later. (laughs) (laughs) Did she Um, have a go? She did. It was bad. She hates hates me for saying that, but it was bad. Sorry, mum. Sorry, (laughs) can't do what spell does (laughs) so i did that one of the pictures went completely viral which was of annalise mclaughlin yes Um, that's right i still see that pop up in my pinterest feed yeah it was pretty good it was like i mean it's her styling it was nothing to do with the photo it was her but that's you you have an eye for people and you've always I chased her down and we're like good friends today and she's coming to splendor with us next week so that will mark five years since that photograph which is so awesome because I feel like it was like a kickstarter for her like she was already a size yeah. model but it was like a kickstarter for her career and followings I think she went up like 7,000 followers over two days which was wow. really big at the time yeah um so I started doing that and then I was then shooting for Falls Festival and I guess I was on Christmas holidays and you know when you take a holiday from your job and you kind of feel this creativeness first out it was definitely that and I had just read Lisa Messenger's first book um very disruptive and I don't know like I I liked the book but I read it going "Eh," like I just am not interested in being an entrepreneur I'd already done the thing working for myself when I was working for Cake Marketing and the Echo um, newspaper at the same time I guess I was technically a freelance to both of them and I didn't really enjoy that even though you say I'm a self-starter, I don't know if I'm a self-motivator when it comes to working on my own. 
Also, I remember you telling me at the time, like you were thinking, I remember you were really into, um, who's the jewellery designer that you love? Oh, Samantha Wills. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, why don't you be a designer? Because I was starting out as a designer and you're like, no, they're already making the perfect thing. Like, why would I? (laughs) 100%. And I just remember thinking that's really brave to sort of be like, I understand that there's already a market for what I like and somebody's already doing it so I'm just gonna make my own way doing my own thing <laughs> well I'm not a copycat and I see it happen all the time like people do do that to spell all the time they make this brand which is like pretty similar and I'm like why don't you do your own thing like and if you can't think of something that's different then you're probably not supposed to be doing it because oh, it's like yeah. you if you yeah if you can't think of something different to somebody else then it's not coming truly from your heart and a place that is is authentic, you know, for lack of a better word. But yeah, I don't know. It's really about knowing your brand identity. So that was me. I didn't really have like an idea of something aesthetically of what I would do. And still to this day, I don't have that. Um, even though I love styling, I love changing outfits. I don't have that brand identity from an aesthetics point of view. So at that time, I read the book and I just kind of was like, I don't care about being an entrepreneur. I just want to work for a brand that I love. Smith Wills would have been one of them, but it was in Sydney and I didn't want to move. And I had had an interview right before this with a local brand or a brand that wasn't local that had moved out to Byron. And I didn't get the job, which I wasn't actually that disappointed about. Like I wanted to leave my job at the square, but I like for something in fashion, but this for me would have been a stepping stone. I just wanted like, oh, I'm going to get fashion experience before I move to Sydney. And they told me, when I didn't get the job, that it was because I didn't have enough contact. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. And I was like, well, I mean, considering I'm just like a random blogger who lives in Lismore, I have a shit ton of contacts. Yeah, exactly. Um, And if I had a reason to have contacts, I would get them. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. I remember you telling me like, (laughs) I've got to have a reason to get contacts so that I can have contacts because this is what's held me back from this job. (laughs) Yeah. So I, um, at that time, my action on that was I got rejected for the job. So I actually started helping, um, Carissa Spark, who I'm still friends with and is now working with me. It's about doing content, trying to help her get opportunities. So I had more experience, which is a really good learning curve. So that was happening. Then I shot these pictures for Falls Festival. I was texting back and forth with the owner of Spell, or one of the owners of Spell, Lizzie. And I wrote to her just saying, oh, hey, like just wondering if there's any jobs going at Spell. I didn't even give a crap what that job would be. I was like, I'll go and pack orders in the warehouse. I'll do whatever because I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking because I was like, I just like this brand and I like what they do. And then she wrote back to me like a few days later saying, what do you think you'd be good at? Because I think they just thought that I was a full-time photographer. And I was like, oh, like marketing and PR and blah, 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 blah. And it turns out um, that their, at the time, was their PR slash wholesale manager, which is such a weird job now. She got replaced by three people, like two people in wholesale and then myself. She was about to move full-time into marketing and she resigned the day that I actually texted Lizzie. Wow. So it was like this weird, like, do-do-do-do moment for Lizzie and then... Um, and I, I'm friends with that girl, Jamie. Like we still, she was at my party oh. <laughs> that I just had recently that Monique was at. Yeah, so she had left. So Lizzie sent me that message. I had an interview with her and the now general manager 
and they still went through the regular process. So I guess you could say it wasn't traditional at the beginning because it was because of my connection and what I had already done for them. But it did then end up still going through the regular motions, had an interview. They still interviewed other people, I guess, because for them at the time, it was probably a risk. They didn't even think that they needed somebody full-time in marketing, which is laughable today. But, you know, they were just kind of doing it as they were. Lizzie had a six-month-old baby, though, so I don't really know how they thought that it was going to work without her, like, you know, fully in the business. So they went through the normal motions. I think I didn't find out that I had the job for two months. which was just hell, you know, not knowing and being in that limbo. And I think at that time I had decided that even if I wasn't getting this job that I probably would have left my current job just because it started to feel like I was knocking back opportunities that I wanted to do because I was working full time. So I guess I was just going to try and figure it out. But anyway, got the job and yes, I was there three months after my interview and there I am. So traditional but not traditional, I guess. It was a bit of putting myself out there versus not so if I hadn't put myself out there if I hadn't been doing all of that other work for free and all those weekends of yes producing shoots and all of that then they probably wouldn't have looked at me because who cares about the marketing manager from a shopping center coming to work in fashion and I didn't have any e-commerce experience blah 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 so I think that it needed to be a combination of all of that yeah you created the um, experiences that they were looking for in your own way and then put yeah and you and you sent the message that said do you have any jobs going like essentially like for a lot of people that's really scary like I don't know I got nervous even asking you to be on this blog which uh, is like a hobby blog and you're somebody who I've known for several years like oh geez (laughs) and it's just fear is real and I think it holds a lot of people back so do you have any advice of how to overcome fear or do you think you've just gotten in the habit of it and you just don't even feel were you scared to put yourself out there to for that job? No, I didn't even think twice. I'm weird though because like, okay, there's different things that scare me and it's not any of that and it's not because I think that I was good at those things. I think that I just kind of know like I'll work hard and I'll give myself to, like I'll give my all to whatever it is I've decided that I'm doing and I'd once heard, it was actually from a music teacher at Southern Cross University, that if you get a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And that stuck with me so hard because I'm like, I want that. Like, I want to work in a job that I'll never work a day in my life. And, you know, fuck, I work a lot of days, probably 10 days in one day in my life. But there is still that thing that I just love it so much. It doesn't even matter. Like, yes, you know, you want to get paid. and Yes, you want to have a good lifestyle around it and sometimes it's actually damaging to yourself to love your job so much like I do because there's no work-life balance all the time but would I rather be doing something else no how to get over that fear it's it is hard for me to explain I have fear over different things like I have fear over exercising I'm not saying I don't exercise (laughs) but like something (laughs) like a box jump or thinking about trying to run a marathon or even running two kilometers on the road that is what I'm scared of and I can't get over that. So it's like everybody has their own thing that they're scared of and mine just isn't about career and isn't about putting myself out there. It's about completely different things. I think that, I mean, it really does stem from childhood stuff, I guess, because maybe I've always been good at talking and always been good at writing, but I've never been good at exercise. So I think you've got to like think to yourself, and I'm not saying you shouldn't try and get over that fear because obviously I should definitely try and get over my fears of 
running a marathon. That'd running, be a great achievement. It sounds horrible, really. I, know. <laughs> I think fun running, I think that's an oxymoron. <laughs> I think that people are scared of what they're not confident in to some extent and how to get more confident in putting yourself out there. I guess you've just got to start and maybe if you're taking a jump that is really far, like literally and theoretically or metaphorically, then that would be hard. So for me, I wasn't taking a huge leap because I was just asking her if there was any jobs there. I wasn't asking specifically, could I be the only person in marketing there and not knowing what that involved? But I had already had, when I think about it, all of the cumulative experiences that require, was required for that job, which was I was producing mini photo shoots. I was working on relationships. I was writing for the newspaper. I was managing people at the square. So all of the things that I was doing and leading up to it was relevant. But if you're trying to jump from, you know, if I was jumping from working at sports girl to trying to get the job at spell, then that would be scary yeah. because I would have had no experience. So it was sort of like a calculated sort of risk, but that you didn't really calculate, I guess. <laughs> like it made sense. Yeah. It? No way I calculated, but it was such yeah. a different time then. Like, I guess it was just having like all of the pinch me moments or all of the moments of meeting people or putting myself out there that were yeses. Maybe I had yeah. enough confidence or delusion at the time that it was working because it was a smaller market then, like in terms yeah. of like the Australian blogging sphere and the online world, we didn't even call them influencers at the time. Like I had shot some of the country's biggest influencers just because I asked them. Yes. And I had been borrowing products from some of Australia's bigger brands just because I asked them because it wasn't really happening. So it was a less competitive market in that way as well. Absolutely. And I guess it comes back to what you're saying about the size of the risk and and you had a lot of practice in asking for things that, and people saying yes to you, like ever since, yeah, first asking models, people, random people on the street, if you can take their photo, their photo when you're um, a street stylist, like to, you know, right up to asking for that job, like each little step you'd gotten that little bit of encouragement that, okay, I didn't die when I asked for that. Okay, the worst thing that's happened is somebody said no to me and I moved on, you know? So I if think only I could do that with a push up. Ah, exactly, Mel. And you just you <laughs> can't Let's like, with... I'm not gonna die. Yeah, you're not gonna <laughs> die. I, I, I do know. not have that mentality with that. So I do empathize with anybody that's scared of putting themselves out there because if you, if you saw me at the gym, <laughs> you'd be like, this is not the same person. It's like I'm the complete opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to imagine. I'm just imagining you there, like looking at the floor, like, nah, okay, I'm gonna do it. Nah, not doing it. And then she's <laughs> legit. Like, I did it. We, I hadn't done box jumps, is one in particular, push ups is the other. And I do training with a few friends, and we did box jumps, and I did fall, and I didn't die from the fall. But I was so mad. Like, I was like mad because I had been made to do it by my trainer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was just. It's this thing. It's, it's very different. So I do well, understand if people feel that way, right. but I just don't feel that way about job-related things. And I guess it's just what you might be good at. And I guess the other thing is if you do get knocked back because, you know, we don't want to say I was lucky enough for everyone to always say yes. No. Um, I did get knocked back for a job prior to my job at Spell, like we said. And instead of wallowing about it, I was like, 
well, okay, this is the feedback that they gave, then I'm yes. going to show you that I can have contact. And, you know, obviously there's a side of me that secretly hopes today that they're like, okay, this bitch definitely was good at PR and they were wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's it. And that's a good message because, you know, in prove them wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as you know, everyone looking at your Instagram would just think, you know, you're so flawless and your life looks so well curated. And we all know, you know, this is not the reality. There's a lot of surely they don't look at my Instagram and think I'm flawless. Like yeah, I guess they do. People do. No, because people follow me because I'm not, I think. No, but like as in flawless is probably not the right word, but. Not physically, you mean life-wise. No, I do think you're flawless physically, but yeah, like <laughs> you're living this aesthetically pleasing life, I guess. But there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fails that happen in the background and it's about getting back up, I guess, and just keep putting yourself out there and keep trying. Yeah, and one thing that um, Sophia Amoruso from Girlboss says is don't compare your life to their highlights reel. And I'm like, you know, that's what Instagram is. And I've seen a lot of articles lately and, you know, for the past couple of years come up about uh, influencers and their curated existence making people feel like shit. Nobody's posting shit photos to Instagram. Like, I don't want to see shit photos. Yeah, so (laughs) I'm not going to post, you know, when I don't feel good or in a bad pose. Like I put up a picture yesterday of me in this pink jumpsuit and I love the pink jumpsuit, but you know, there's some photos in there. It looks terrible. I just picked the ones where the angles was the best. Like, hello, that's what everybody does. So I think definitely other- don't compare that. Yeah. And the other thing is that when I um went to America recently and I put up some stories of the trip, I had already been home a week when I did these stories the trip was three weeks long and that was the only time that I got to actually go and curate that stuff because I was so busy. Like when I got married, I was overseas for three weeks. The marriage part was only six days of that. And the lead up to that was incredibly hard work. Like we did a two day campaign in New York city and then um, a two day event in Arizona. And that event was amazing, but probably like the most laborious kind of event work that I'd done in a long time. So it was like, you know, one of the days, it was just so long. I think I had to go to bed till 2 a.m. because we were putting together the content from it. So I guess that's what people don't see and what you don't actually put out there. And I was going to do a post about it um, because people kept DMing going, oh, my God, this trip looks amazing, blah, blah, blah. And it was. Like, I'm not saying it wasn't. And I was going to do a thing saying, you know, I just wanted to let you all know, um, although you're saying it's amazing, like it was really hard work and I thought, I'm just going to sound like an asshole because my kind of hard work, even though it is hard work, is probably still to anybody who's, you know, perhaps sitting at a desk job would appear to be better or appear to be more exciting. So I would just sound like I was ungrateful for it, which I'm not. But I just don't want anyone to think that things just happen and it's easy either um, no, for their own sake, not for me. I don't care if they think what I do is hard like delusional about it <laughs> there yeah, is I just, involved. <laughs> yeah I just want them to know that and that's how I got there and can stay in that job is because I work really hard and and so do all the people around me yes and anybody that does that kind of thing like even if you look at an influencer I think a lot of people think oh they just get paid to travel and like take a picture well there's a lot of background behind that picture and not only that regardless of taking the picture it's editing the picture it's putting it up and then communicating with all of your followers it's not the hardest job in the world by any means, but it's not easy either. And the life that comes with it and the, the phone addiction, like that you have to yeah. pretty much upkeep, it's almost like gambling, yeah. is um, it can be taxing. So 
yeah, I think people leave support influences alone. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> and I think you've always sort of, I remember you always sort of are saying that as well because you've seen both sides of the coin really too. And I think that's what helps you be such a good communicator with all types of people, including these influencers, is because you know what work they have to put into it and you're realistic when you come to the plate with your offers and you understand that they are doing a job and they need to be remunerated appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's really cool. And I certainly have been on shoots with you and and it is hard work. There's a lot of running around. You do have to wear your joggers and or your trainers if you're American. And uh, <laughs> it's it's not all glamour and fun. And I, the cool thing about the fashion industry though is it sort of, I think it kind of weeds out people who aren't wor- willing to work hard because it's just sort of have to. It's like you get, there's no, like almost no less glamour than a lot of other things. Yes, you can take nice photos within it. And I, I totally agree with you in that it's fine for you to only post the highlight reel because people should in reality know that's what this is for. It's a visual platform. I'm mm-hmm. here to see pretty pictures. I follow you because... I like your aesthetic. If you started posting things that were outside that aesthetic, obviously I'd still follow you, but <laughs> you know, maybe other people wouldn't like it's, it's the reality of the situation is, yeah, it's not up to people online to manage how you feel about yourself. If you're out there in the world, like looking at stuff and, and be, feeling jealous of it, like go and have a go and try and do it yourself then. Or I think just unfollow. That's the thing unfollow, that yep. me when people say that. I'm like, if that person makes you feel shit, unfollow. I personally don't feel shit when I look at people who have tiny bodies or whatever they're doing. I don't know why. I don't. It just does. It has never bothered me. I mean, I'm always like attracted to hanging out with models. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. But I have lately been making a conscious effort to follow different people so I've been following more plus size people lately because I just want to get inspired by what they're doing or what they're wearing as well for my own personal stuff but so it's a mix so lately I've been logging in I'm like okay cool I'm just seeing like a real mix of different bodies and different people on my feed but you can go and unfollow anybody that makes you feel like shit mm-hmm. um but then I think you need to look inside yourself and wonder why are you worrying or comparing like everybody's different that's right. And, and what somebody else does or what they look like isn't a reflection on you. That's, that's just never how I think about it. But I guess some people do think like that. I don't know why. But. I more get a bit jealous of people who are pursuing their passions. And at times when I'm not feeling like I'm on track with what I want to do, that can make me think, oh, shit, why aren't I doing that? But instead of using that as making me feel better, it's fuel to the fire and it keeps you going, okay, they can do it, so can I. So I guess it's all about perspective and recognising in yourself, having enough self-awareness to be like, why do I feel this way? How can I use this? And then moving on. Yeah, and every now and then that does pop up for me as well. Like even if I'm looking at, I don't know, somebody might have more followers or a brand that's doing something similar or why did that brand do this before? me like or I thought about that you know this it definitely happens all the time and you get that envy but I guess you've just got to keep looking forward and not looking sideways and do what's right for you absolutely that's so good well I feel like we've had such a good chat in general and I think I would love to um, go to a couple of uh, startups and downs questions that we like to ask everyone who we interview. Uh, The first one I will say is 
what is an honest high for you? This can be in life in general or your career or your current position, a, a big high moment for you. Ooh, <laughs> so many. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, like, what is a big high moment for me? I just did my review at work, so I, I like, wrote down oh. a bunch of the things. That, and last year was oh. a massive year for me at work, like, for, for the whole company, but just the things that we did. But I guess sometimes when you think about the high, it's got to be, like, what would you have really thought five years ago or something was massive? Yes. And one thing that was kind of like a full circle type of moment was that and this was not so recently but we did a photo shoot with Bambi Northwood Blythe so that would have been oh gosh I don't even know what my it'd be about two years ago now so it was Bridie Mac Wolf Cub Wolf Cub shooting that campaign and with Bambi Northwood Blythe as the model so when Spell first used Bambi which was in 2013 I saw that photo shoot and admittedly, my thought was, well, one day I want to be able to shoot a campaign like that, like actually be the photographer. But just being on that shoot with like one of my favorite photographers of all time who I just like loved, like would eat up her content. And, you know, even just being on set with her for the first time was amazing as well. But being on that shoot with this model who I just adored, that would be, I guess, quite a high for my career because it was like these people you aspired to and then to be able to interact with them and be on a set with them and watch them work was really exciting. Um, and now to have friendships with them as well. So that would be one of them. That's awesome. That's so cool. I was scared uh, when I first met her for the first time. Were That's you? Cool. So there you go. That was a scared moment. When I'm not Bridie, not the photographer, but Bambi. Bambi. Yeah. I had to go meet up with her at the boutique. And um, one of the girls I worked with us at the time was actually friends with her because her mum planned her wedding. And I was like, can you come? Like, I'm too scared to meet her. And she's like, are you serious? And then when I met her, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, there was totally no reason to be scared. And I guess, like, after that, I'd met some, you know, famous people. And now it's different because you just sort of get through that part and realise that people are people. <laughs> yeah, you, become, you can become more brave by every, like, time that you get that positive affirmation that, hey, they're just a person. <laughs> yeah, although, you know, there's still some people that are pretty scary. I met Courtney Kardashian at um, Coachella last year and really? I, I was a complete pussy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I, like, like, went chicken out. Oh, I, I still said hello, yep. so I got that far. That's but good. Instead of like doing what I thought I would do and be like, yeah, like, I work for this brand, blah, 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 I kind of had this moment of, standing there going, I feel like I know you and you don't know who the hell I am and I don't want to, like, invade your privacy. And, like, she wasn't acting like that, but it was just, like, this realisation of this must happen <laughs> to her and I feel sorry for her for it. Yeah. So I just said to her, you look really beautiful and have a nice night instead yep. of, like, doing that whole thing. So, yes, there, there can be times when I get a bit scared and especially if you are a fan of that person. Like, I've met quite a few famous people, but I was never, like, a fangirl but I have met one person that I was a fangirl of and it wasn't like the best experience. So, yeah. I have, wouldn't have even got to that point, but I'll get there. Small, small milestones. You will. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, yeah, I fangirl out pretty easy. <laughs> they, don't say, they don't say don't meet your heroes for no reason. I'm telling yeah, you that. Yeah, true, true, true. But anyway, most of the heroes I've met have been everything and more. Well, or better yet, they were better because they were different to what I thought they would be. You've met one of my, I don't know if hero is the right word, but I'm a pretty big fan of Miley Cyrus. So yeah. I have never See, asked you about that. 
She's exactly what, well, from my experience is meeting her, she's exactly what I expected her to be, which was, like, just super cool yeah, and super down to earth. Like, that's, that's what I got. Like, I didn't, like, get surprised by her at all. That's good. She has a, t- a tattoo of Vegemite, so, you know, she's got to be down to earth. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, now, what would you say is an honest low moment of you, your career? I know you're a very positive person and you probably see every, you know, challenge as an opportunity, but has there ever been a time where being perhaps on the floor crying or a moment where you nearly broke you maybe? Yeah, there has been probably more so in my job than like other times because I guess the stuff that I was doing for myself or I'm still doing for myself isn't that serious. Um, But my boss and I, we're quite similar to each other. So sometimes that can mean like stubbornness together. And there's been one time I I took something the wrong way, actually thought that um, she didn't like me and I got that in my head. (laughs) Now I know it was silly, but I don't know. You know how you can just like build something up and at that time because I, and I still do like love my job so much I was just like oh my god if that's the case like I can't there's gonna be no point in my future here yeah. but it was just a misunderstanding like a complete misunderstanding that I built up in my head and we have such a good relationship now I think it's just all a learning curve and things can happen and when you work so closely with somebody who's the owner and you are similar and like they treat you like family. It's like the best thing in the world. But then every now and then it can be like a little, like, you know, being like family. That's what family's like. So, exactly. so there might be no filter in certain things yes. um, that is said. And now I, I don't take that personally, but I did at that time. Yeah. Um, but I've learned a lot from that. So there's a lot about you as well because you are so relationship focused and people focused that something that you would classify as, you know, a biggest law in your life is to do with maybe feeling like somebody didn't respect you that you really respected. But oh, people not liking me would be like the biggest, like I have problems saying no and it's because I want people to like me. So it's kind of like a good thing for my job, but then also, yeah, it can be detrimental. So there's never been like a massive low, I guess, because like I love everything I do so much, but it could almost break you if, if that's the one thing that's important to you and then thinking yes. that, then definitely. But, yeah, it wasn't anything that lasted long at all. So Yeah, it is, yeah exactly. And it's good that you know that about yourself. Um, I've been learning a bit about emotional intelligence for a course I'm doing and the first, like one of the first steps is self-awareness. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> In some ways I think I am and in a lot of ways I'm not. Have you done the um, Gallup's strengths assignment as part of that? No, I haven't. You should do it. We, my manager at work um, made a group of us do it and it was so interesting like hearing everybody's, basically they put it like out of all of these things that are personality-based, they give you like a top five and then like a top 20-something of your strengths mm. and then like the combination of those strengths, apparently it's like something ridiculous, like only one you only share this with like one in like 33 million or something. Like you could never like other than 33 million have the same top combination. Like, so in the order that they go. Um, And it was really interesting because some of the people who worked in the similar jobs had the same things, but different order and all of that kind of stuff. But my number one, which I found weird. And you said this a couple of times during the podcast is my number one was positivity. And I was like, what? I feel like I'm such a, okay. Not such a pessimist. But I think about something and I think about what could go wrong straight away. 
So I thought that like maybe I have a negative, but I don't know. And then the second one was connection, which is not just like connection to people, but how you connect things together, which is like such a thing that probably would work for a PR person because just say I'm like, oh, I need to think about, um, like if someone told me oh, I'm going, I'm going to Tamworth, like I would immediately think, oh, my friend lives there. Can I make them get together or how can I connect the dots between them or whatever? So it's just, yeah, you should definitely do it because it was that super interesting. Yeah. And that is, yeah. And I think even going back to early days of you, you were always that connector. Oh, like if I, yeah, I've seen this girl, she'd be perfect. We need, she needs to shoot. You need to shoot her in that. Like I would just have a way of connecting the dots between people product situations and yeah which is it happens to me all the time though it's kind of like a weird flaw though like yesterday I was in Bunnings with Ammo and this guy walked past he was really cute that worked there he had hair like Edward Cullen and I was like oh I should try and get his (laughs) name because my friend who works at McTavish is always trying to look for models for her you know it was just like why does my mind go there that quickly I don't know but that's what I do I think person good looking boy what brand oh yeah my friend has a brand she wants a model blah 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 and that's like what happens in my head with a matter of seconds <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what you call that you've got some kind of weird filter that you walk around with that just makes these connections and, I, and it is like seeing opportunity is yeah it is positivity if you have a positive outlook on life you're always seeing opportunity which is what you're doing you see an opportunity for connection so even if you think you're negative, you're definitely not. Well, you should do it. And anybody who's yeah. listening, go and do it. It's, I'll, I'll link it in the Gallup. show notes. But, yeah, yeah. Gallup has G-A-L-L-U-P-S. Okay. I think you have to pay to do it. But I think that, like, I told another friend to do it and it really helped her as well because it can kind of form, like, what career you should be doing and all of that as well. But I think it also, I don't know, getting self-aware you have to like sit there and do a 45 minute test and like pick the answer that stands out to you the most in the first couple of seconds like they only give you it's timed each response and you just have to go what's your instinct on this and the the answers are so bizarre like it's not like a yes or no it's kind of like I feel this when I do this and I or I feel this they're not even opposites and you just have to be like oh that one and then that's how it works so it's just it's really interesting if you're like a bit lost or just even trying to like guide yourself on, okay, well, here are my strengths and how could that be applied somewhere? Or why do I feel this way about a certain situation or why do I handle something like that? It just, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. No way to sort of improve or to use those strengths if you don't know what they are. So the more you know what you're good at, the more you can use that to your advantage and the more you know what is a challenge for you, the more you can kind of see your blind spots, I guess, and try and improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. If you had a piece of advice for somebody sitting out there who is thinking, I love what you're doing. I love everything you're putting down. I want to pick it up. <laughs> like advice for somebody who's trying to start out in a career of PR and marketing or even just in the fashion industry in general. Okay. Um, for the PR and marketing slash fashion industry, I would say, yes, you've got to hustle. Like mm. I started, well, the trip that I was talking about when I went overseas, that was 10 years ago, pretty much now. So that's the journey is like, it was six years before I got the job at Spell. So six years of hustling, working for free, 
doing photo shoots, doing things without any real direction, but working towards my passion for what God knows what. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Like it was a, yeah. (laughs) So that was like not a quick road. I think now that it was a girl boss quote, reading Sophia Amoruso's book, Girl Boss, to me was like a pinnacle. Like that was just everything. I think it was like there's no short and narrow road to success or something along those lines. Yeah. You've got to work hard. And also really know what you want to do because if you're not doing something that's true to you, whether that be a brand, whether that be trying to work for somebody, it will, it, you'll never be able to succeed at it because you're never going to truly, truly love it. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to, I guess, the other stuff I do when it comes to content or building a little bit of a following, not that I have a massive one, but that I think is about investing in the quality of your images and not even necessarily gear, like some of the pictures I take are on iPhone as well. But, you know, every picture that I put on Instagram and all the influencers that I know, they spend a long time doing it and might go through five different apps. Their stories take hours to do. Like they're not just growing their audiences um, or following just because they are pretty or whatever. It's There's more than that. There's, yeah. there's a reason why people follow them because they put out something and every little picture that they do is an editorial and you know that kind of thing so background in maybe marketing and branding comes into play there a bit and photography as well when I was starting out my brand um you coached me in that area a lot in the way that yeah we would have conversations you'd be like you've just got to make sure you have really good images and that I didn't even what? know I wasn't even working for a brand then. I don't know how no, I'm like, I don't know how that. that either. You just <laughs> <laughs> I was just like blindly confident, like I can coach you in business. I don't know anything, but I yeah. will anyway. And it wasn't like we were sitting down and having a coaching relationship. Yeah. It wasn't it was not that formal. It I was probably just wanted really, to do a photo shoot for you. Yeah, I was, I was like, in, images. Yeah, I was in your kitchen with my samples and I just was showing you because I valued your opinion and I had no idea what I was doing. You didn't really have much of an idea about what I should do, but between the two of us, we kind of knew that people buy. We shot a lookbook and then we gave your stuff to influencers, the No Feels Twins. See, we knew we were doing that brand marketing shit before we knew it was a thing. Exactly. Just, yeah, (laughs) connecting people and taking, just making beautiful images. That's it really. And yeah, so I think that is an awesome um, little tidbit to share for those starting out in the biz. A final kind of question today is a one about creativity. So what would you say having a creative mind brings to your career or Spell in general? Yeah, we um, at Spell, there's lots of creative minds in the marketing team, which is awesome. But I recently heard a quote from somebody I work directly with who said, something along the lines of failure doesn't happen because of a lack of a good idea. It happens because of too many good ideas Uh which I was like oh whoa like mind blown because that can be a problem for us which sounds ridiculous but when you have lots and lots of ideas and you can't execute all of them properly um, it can be a problem where you're trying to like smoosh too many ideas into too um, little time can mean like you feel like you're like juggling so much so that's one part of creativity being positive and a negative but you've got to like hone in the creativity to be useful as well but I definitely think it's a benefit to to all things and the other part is that creativity isn't necessarily what everybody thinks is like 
oh, like somebody's arty or they can draw or they can sew or they can whatever. Like it can be people who can think of ideas, but also people who are really good at maths are creative because they're like solving problems. So it's not just about creativity and what people think is the traditional sense. Like you don't have to be good at something that's in the arts, which I think is what everybody thinks it is. I heard a talk down at Vance, so Virgin Australia Melbourne Fashion Festival earlier this year, and it was about how Australia needs to invest in creativity because it's creativity that solves problems. Mm. So like when it comes to climate change and all of that, it's not going to be like necessarily somebody designing a dress, but it's going to be somebody that's creatively solving a problem to invent something that will help. So yes, creativity is kind of everything and it doesn't mean, I think people go, oh, I'm not creative, but they think that, I think what they're saying is I'm not arty. Yeah, but yeah, creative yeah. is just literally creating something, creating something new, changing something for the better, like being innovative as well. So yes, you can be creative in your own way. It doesn't necessarily have to be being arty. Like if you're a mum and you're like making creative kids lunches, then that's, you know, being creative or, you know, if you're a gardener, I feel like that's creativity and something that I'm shit at. Do not have your green thumb. But if you're <laughs> really good at gardening, then there's a creativity to that. You so, are literally creating something like a living thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think people beat themselves up that they're not good at something. And I, I was doing that as well, like when I was trying to study fashion, which is why I probably had like such a connection to you as well, because you were like doing design. I was like, my dream to do design. And I was like, I can't sew and I can't draw. I'm never going to like be able to properly work in fashion, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. And I go and like sniff out our design team all the time and like hang around like a bad smell because I just like love touching fabrics and hearing about what they're doing um, still. So it's like, it's still my passion, but I know that I just don't have that skill. And it, as much as I would try, like I don't even bother trying because I'm so impatient. <laughs> um, but I don't think that I would, would ever be, but that's okay. You don't have to, you can find another way in. Like a lot of people on our team have a design or were in a design background. Like our, one of our people in accounting had that background, but I guess everybody just like wants the nearness to the fashion, no matter what background they are, but creativity can come from many different places. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think, yeah, that's what we're trying to talk about here on this podcast too. Like we're creatives from all different um, fields and definitely not just people who are making things with their hands, like sewing or uh, designing, but those people out there thinking creatively and being a manager takes a hell of a lot of creative thinking, how to, you know, how are people going to respond to this? Like, yeah, there's so much, um, so much creativity all around and it's just having that curiosity and as you say there's a time and a place as well where it can be to your detriment and it can hold you back if you've got too many ideas and you've just got to kind of yeah know when to hold them know when to fold them as somebody (laughs) very wise once said Okay, well, um, thanks so much for chatting, Mel. And I've I loved talking to you. I feel like I we just need to chat more in general. And if I have to make the excuse of doing this podcast, I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds um, good. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I'll I'll um talk soon. Talk soon.